about to feed him to the sharks right now. Get him hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat, we put in the work, believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to episode 33 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast. My name is Jeff Boone. I'm an A3, blue belt, two stripes. And this is Phil Kors, A2, blue belt, one stripe. And thanks to the miracle of editing, we cut out the screw-ups we just did. That's fine. It's good. That's why we drill. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we drill. <laughs> uh, special thanks to uh, Doug Schluter. Wearing his sweet, uh, he got me a Gracie Baja uh, shirt, nice shirt. Gave it to me. We were training together, not jujitsu, but training for work. Right. And uh, losers. Yeah. No, I trained jujitsu. He just didn't. Yeah. Loser. Yeah. See where your priorities are. I trained. No, I know. I'm talking to Doug. Okay. Good. Directly to Doug. Good. On on this episode, Phil, we're going to go through a, a few things. Some of the things um, have come up on our new group. Let's talk about that. So the group we made on Facebook that I was talking about before is, it's like semi-closed, but pretty much anybody I think can invite anybody. There's one question people have to ask to be accepted, and that's, do you love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And if you answer it wrong, you are not getting in. Yeah, you're actually banned. Yeah. So. Um, and blocked. Yes. Is there anything else we can do? Or is banning and blocking it? Muting. Mute, ban, and block. Okay. Yeah. Blacklisted. Yeah. So, you know, as long as you know somebody, uh, or if you think somebody would be a good person to invite, please do. Um, we're trying to get that as uh, a way for, like, just general discussions, questions, um, stuff like we talk about, um, and things you want to talk about, and your opinions on the stuff. Um, it, what is what we're looking for, as well as videos uh, that we like to watch uh, related to jujitsu, um, learn from, and whatnot. We share a lot of James's videos because he uploads. I'm assuming pretty much his class schedule. It seems like what he's doing yeah. in class, he just does a quick rundown on a Facebook Live, which is really cool. Uh, I like that a lot. So any videos that are useful and kind of fit into what we're doing. We're blue belts, so obviously we do the most ridiculous videos possible, right. uh, but I specialize in. Uh, fundamentals are also acceptable. And then, of course, the memes. Uh, those are... Big part of it. Pretty much required reading yep. uh, for the group. Yes. So excited about that. We have some of the questions from the, from the group that we're going to fo- feature on here and talk about today on the podcast. Uh, but this one came from 40 plus BJJ and, and it, it was a question from someone about small joint manipulation, grabbing the fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Grabbing the fingers. What, what do you do when someone grabs your fingers still? Or let, let's clarify first because grabbing the fingers and small joint mani- manipulation is usually one or two fingers or a thumb yeah. grabbing and not, they, they said 
they said a lot of people on there said three or more. I've always heard that you grab across the top of the knuckle and all four fingers if you're going to yeah, try to. Kind of yeah, yeah. So it, the the opinions varied to three or four um, being appropriate whenever you're rolling. I I'm going to say four, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, I mean that seems like one of the ones where in training situations, it just seems safer to grab everything and that's kind of one of your top priorities obviously if you're breaking people's fingers then you have nobody to roll with right yeah i mean you want it to be safe and and also how do you deal with it if someone does grab your a single solitaire finger or thumb during the roll i typically let go right away uh that's something we've talked about recently uh and you're right i should tell newer people that they're doing it i've done it a few times but i don't do it as often as i should um, especially because I play in the collars a lot, you know, my grips get pulled off. You know, people are trying, especially if I do it once. Like, yeah, I can get away with the first one, and then people notice I'm doing it, and they really want to pull my hand out. And if they can only get my thumb or whatever, and they're pulling it back, I'll, during the roll, I'll just let go and just re-grip. But it's, should, you should tell the person what they're doing because some people are, gonna get pissed because it's not right for training purposes well i mean that you know and and listen folks if, if someone's doing that and and it's more than likely that it's they're ignorance. probably it's yeah. probably pretty they're probably pretty new at jujitsu right they don't know they don't know that that's not and if if you don't tell them if you don't say hey you know we usually don't grab single or you know you have at least three or four fingers whenever you're trying to peel a grip you know it's just it's safer it's a safer training environment people aren't out for broken fingers and things like that and explain it to them then you're not going to have a, a problem and they'll learn and they'll say oh okay we got that other approaches which i don't agree with and and were said in the form is you know that's a recipe for the role to turn up you know, if you grab someone's finger, then they're going to just smash you. And that's not what you want. That's not really an appropriate response either. Because they don't know. They, if you do that and they don't know the reason that you're doing that, yeah, then, then it's, you know, it's just like beating a dog. It's the dog kinda, doesn't know the reason they're getting beaten. Like yeah. when you think about it, it's like they, they're grabbing your fingers because they're, you know, new and they're in their panic mode that oh this hand is trying to choke me i'm gonna do everything i can to rip it off and i just so happen to be able to grip one finger or thumb and i'm yanking on that you're almost retaliating with a panic mode reaction of like oh you're trying to break my finger i'm gonna go even harder now and you know punish that because you're trying to injure me you know it's kind of this non-communication problem is pretty much all that is yeah and folks don't beat your dog for one thing uh, that that's what not what i meant, meant yeah you get that uh but but i just thought of one caveat to that situation what's that where you would grab a single finger you're talking about farting well <laughs> sorry two caveats yeah i mean if somebody says pull pull my finger i'm that's, going to do it yeah that's what i thought you were going <laughs> i'm going to do it yeah i mean 100 percent. that's funny all the time every time that's right 100 percent. what's the other one the other one is the self-defense choking grip against the wall yeah right that's one thing obviously we're not going to rip it like well in that self-defense situation you're setting out to injure the person's finger correct Correct, but that's the only time it would be appropriate to grab a finger in yes. class. 
True. And and pull my finger. Either one. Both of those times appropriate. And you shouldn't be using two hands to try to choke somebody on the neck. We have better chokes than that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a self-defense technique for someone who's an untrained attacker. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, and it goes for just about, <laughs> Phil just stuck out his finger for those <laughs> of you not watching the video at home. <laughs> and I would have pulled it if he'd have left it there longer. Um, <laughs> but it kind of follows along with, with everything, especially with the newer folks. If, if there's a situation where, where they're not being safe with them or their training partners, you educate them because that's what your job, you, you, you were educated by someone too. I remember, I don't remember who it was, but I do remember doing that one time Mm -hmm. and, and they said, Hey, we don't do it. And I never did it again. I mean, that's all it was. I can't remember if I had that. I I could, it wasn't a scenario for me that I remember. Yeah. Having happening during a roll, I don't know. Okay. But interesting. But yeah, again, it's the same thing as like some people who just don't know to, you know, they might walk on the mat with their shoes on or something, not thinking about it. You know, it's one of those. Everybody's like, ah! Yeah, it's just one of those. I guess because it's happening while it's rolling is more of a different training environment than than you know the shoes on the mat or I, I don't know. It's not. It's not the same as like showing up on time. I guess or. Yeah, those other things that you try to cover, uh, sure. Over, you know, new, new, brand new people and whatnot. But that's that's definitely one that I think happens a lot that you need to be aware of and and try not to get. I guess what we're saying is how to handle it, right? You know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the appropriate ways to handle it. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, that's they're they don't know what they don't know. Because yeah, I mean, I've so done it. I, people grab my fingers and I've gotten pissed off and not said anything. And then we've talked right. about it, and you're like, "Don't! Why didn't you say anything?" And I was like, "Well, because I'm an idiot, you know." So I had to handle it. Because I was mad. Yeah, exactly. So, but like, did you smash him? Did you smash him the rest of the round? Yeah, I used my size and strength purely. <laughs> uh, just tossed around my, you know, shoulders. Um, but yeah, so that that's something we've been talking about recently. But um, don't handle it as terrible as I did. Just try to right. do it better. Right. Good. Uh, another another topic was jujitsu elbow. I've had it. Have you had it? Uh, I don't think ju- no. Jiu-jitsu? I've had like weird elbow issues, but I don't think it's related to jujitsu. It only happens when I pick up a dumbbell, and I, I think it's how I grip it. Yeah. So so kind of the more often one, the one that I had was the lateral side or lateral epicondylitis is what it's called the medical term for it yeah so for people who aren't as smart as us doctors what does that mean if you're holding your hands down by your side with your palms facing forward Mm -hmm. the outside part back part of your elbow okay got it right beside the radial bone right on your elbow okay watch the video people yeah yeah so it's the it's the extensor part of the muscle not the flexor part of the muscle and it's it what happened to me was during drilling, uh, we were doing arm bar drilling and, and my partner got it too tight and popped my elbow and it was, it was miserable. I, I dealt with it for like six months. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, and it was always sore. And so then I heard on Joe Rogan about the Theraband. So that, that foam band mm-hmm. where you, 
uh, where you actually work that that um, extensor uh, part of the the tendon, I guess. Or so if people are interested, that's like a, a resistance, like you're basically twisting your hands in opposite yeah. directions, like a foam resistance a tool. Yeah. Motion. Ring, yeah, ringing out of towel. Yeah, and it's available on Amazon. Um, uh, I got the medium weight one, and Manny made fun of me because it was a little too easy to twist for him. I Did would... you see his uh, uh, video? Yeah. yeah. A truck. Like, I was, oh, I was bored. I started pulling a truck. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that was great. For, the, for those, uh, Manny, very strong, uh, good purple belt that we train with, it, and he was bored at his son's wrestling practice and proceeded to go out in the parking lot and put a toast tra- to his truck and pull it around the parking lot a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's hilarious. So, yes. It's impressive. It was super impressive. <laughs> super impressive. I've never done that, nor probably will I. It was a big I truck. Ever. It was a big truck. <laughs> big Dodge truck, full-size Dodge truck. Yeah. No. So, so yeah, if you're bored, you know, there's always opportunities to train, whether strength training or whatever, to make your jiu-jitsu better. Did that, um, how did that feel? Did it? help so the theraband did help was that to build the muscle in the area that was injured yeah yeah exactly and and i guess by doing that you get a little bit more blood flow to that area which then takes care okay. of that injury and um so a lot of people said ice it ice yeah it helped with the acute pain you know like right after training it'd be super sore to ice it helped but it really was just curing a symptom of uh, of the pain yeah. Uh, more than anything. But uh, what I did that actually alleviated it, and I kicked myself for not doing it earlier, is I then started um, doing the CBD cream. I can't remember where I got it. I got some CBD cream. And I used that, and literally in three days, my elbow was not sore anymore. Hmm. And so now I regularly... Except for anti-inflammation. Anti-inflammation, yeah. Yeah, and so now I just preemptively use CBD cream, Green Compass CBD cream, one of our sponsors, one of our premier sponsors, mm-hmm. um, uh, to help alleviate that. Um, another another responder said um, PRP, platelet-rich plasma, to, so that's an injection where they take and spin your own blood down to where they just get the platelet part of it, which is responsible for attacking inflammation and all of that in your in your joints and anywhere it's injected, uh, which I had on my knee a couple years, a year and a half ago or so. Yeah. And um, they said, I didn't have that on my elbow. I did have it on my knee with great results, 100% uh, better on my knee. Uh, so so I can see where that would probably work as well. So, the, you know, if, you, if you've got that, that issue, you know, there's a few ideas for you. Um, you know, to help with it. Does that mainly show up because of like, uh, like you're, you're hyperextended it with an arm bar or does that show up like wear and tear? Like, so mine, mine initially presented with the, whenever I had it popped hyperextended, um, in an arm bar and drilling. Cause you'd never had issues. Never. You'd never had a sore elbow before that. Never, never. And then after that in the six months after, and then, you know, I didn't help that I just kept training and doing regular stuff and didn't really, Give it any time off, maybe. I, I don't think I would still give it time off. I think you can heal without that too, because you're not you're not traumatizing that every time, right? So, so 
maybe a day or whatever off and try to do creams or therabands or anything of that nature. Hmm. Okay. So you've never had it? No, the only one I get is uh, like just like a dumbbell, like a curl. Just and I'll feel it in my elbow before I feel anything in the bicep. You know, like it's just terrible. So right. I was talking to my buddy Mike, the big guy, as he sent me a video, but it, he just thinks it's the way I'm holding it. Blake, same thing. Okay. Because it's the position. Because I got... And not to strengthen up the muscles down and around and in your forearms instead? I, I believe the curls are supposed to work on those muscles, I guess. I don't know. The what? That, yeah. the, the, I guess that exercise is supposed to work on that at the same time, just with different grips. Okay. I've played with like pull-ups in you know overhand this way this way for like rings and stuff and mm -hmm. none of those seem to bother my elbow the same way as just like hanging weight and like pulling it up it's just okay. like, it's the only reason i'm not jacked obviously right right yeah because you can't do curls that's it <laughs> it's the only thing it's you the do right curls. interested in it's <laughs> <laughs> great Craig Jones when he was hilarious he just goes around to the gym goes to all the different machines and just does bicep curls really fast too that's what I love about it it's hilarious man. <laughs> Craig Jones really good at jujitsu. um <laughs> so so another topic was one and you actually did uh, laugh out loud whenever I showed you the topic what was it Phil well, I think I read a different question, but... No, but read that question because we're going to address that and, and then the others. So what I saw was like, how do you train when you're with, you know, at another academy? And then how do you train with their instructor? Do you like go 100% or not? And that's a laugh out loud question to me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're training for like black belt I don't, worlds or something. If you're there and you've, you're training for black belt worlds and you've set it up with these people and you're, you're, it's your first role with their instructor, you still don't go 100%. It doesn't seem like a good idea to me. No. It's a terrible idea. I'm just going to see how I stack up against this guy who does this for a living. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. So, so uh, for any of you out there, um, yeah, go 60 just like you would on a normal 60-70% and you know you shouldn't be gassed after you go with anybody they're gonna they're better jiu-jitsu than you so you know you yeah. defend and try to make it as long as you can try to learn something tap like, it out you're there and learn, learn something yeah exactly that's I mean it seems like it seems like almost silly to say but that's how you should approach it so then the real question is how how should you train with when you're a visitor in someone else's academy how how hard should you go whenever you roll and you know i i do this quite a bit i just trained with russell this past uh this week tuesday this week um he's even great uh, borges bjj thank you to to professor umberto borges and and russell and their whole team they were fantastic and three hours worth of really great great training really enjoyed it and and you know and it's kind of funny because we we don't do it this way at our academy but um uh professor borges he he uh, pairs everyone up mm -hmm. to to roll each 
each time that yeah, you're rolling, it was it's after only happens sometimes with us. Yeah, only sometimes, right? Yeah, only sometimes. You do it in a kid's class, but you know, but um, and so paired me up, you know, with with some of the upper belts and stuff, and you know, I'm a bigger guy, so I'm gonna just start on bottom. So I, you know, we weren't doing takedowns, so I just start on bottom and work from there, you know. Kind of the first row, obviously, going a little bit less and, you know, kind of not really fighting the guard pass a lot and then framing, regaining guard, doing stuff like that. But, again, never out of breath at the end of the roll. You know, the the maximum I think I went was 60% the whole time. And, you know, you're, you're not trying to crush or smash anyone whenever you're going to their academy. I'm going to interrupt you. We're going to yes. not talk about this right now. We're going to get to this later. But don't let me forget of what Roland was telling me Sunday in regards to all that passing and stuff. I want to talk about that later. Okay. But back to your 60%. Don't let me forget. Okay. Well, yeah, I got it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's you're in training. At competition, you go 100%. I would argue you don't even do that in competition. But... Because you're gonna gas out if you go 100. percent But anyway, whatever. Not if you're better. No. <laughs> <laughs> terrible strategy. Yeah, terrible strategy. <laughs> um, I feel like I do. I train a similar way, probably like 99 percent of the time with people, and that is the matching the energy. Pretty much no matter what. Um. I'll try to, if I think they're going way too, like way too hard, I'll try to match it when necessary. But if I can either get, even if it's like to the closed guard where is my comfortable position, mm-hmm. you know, at that point I try to slow it down just because that's pretty much the best place for me to try to control somebody um, and bring them down to my level. But, you know, it when we're starting out, it's... You're just not going to see me, like, hitting the blast double, like, 100 miles an hour off the bat. And I, I feel like most people kind of tend to do that. And, I, and to me, I think it's the most effective way to train because it, it eliminates a lot of the level differences. So when we roll together, you're um, much more experienced than I am and you're much bigger than me. So if I, all I'm doing is trying to aggressively um, flail and push you off and, you know, your reaction at that point is uh, I got to control this person flailing around. And since I'm not nearly as good as you, that's not hard. You know, you just control me. Um, then what ends up happening is I'm controlled and super tired from flailing and I've learned absolutely nothing versus the approach of you're going to control me I'm going to try to work my way out like aggressively but controlled pace you know so that I'm not totally blown out after 30 seconds and then you're going to have the give and take where you let a little bit go you know, it gets to a certain point and then it's, no, I can't get that far. Or you let something happen and then you react to it. Um, 
kind of a open training situation. And in that situation, I learn a little bit. I learn like what's working, what's not working, where the openings are. When I do get to that next step, I now learn what he does to shut it down. And from that point, you know, I don't actually necessarily learn that. Like, I feel like I don't actually like recognize it in time, but like I'm figuring it out just how it feels, I guess. But you know, there's a lot more going on, I think, in that scenario than when I just flail around. Yeah, for sure. So slow, methodical approach. You know, and, and in those positions, you get to see what those people that are that are better than you. I, I'll catch myself, you know, whenever I'm rolling with Ryan, and I've just like I've just like frozen because I'm like I don't I'm not sure what's going. I'm not sure what this input is designed to do. I know it's designed not to put me in a good position. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but what is it designed to do? And then I'm in the bad position, right? And I'm like, oh, oh okay, that's. That, that was what he was going for <laughs> and immediately got. And, uh, and so, so yeah, I mean, that's certainly one situation. And, and whenever someone is better than you, just try to learn. And, you know, and, and obviously there's good, good ways and bad ways to do that. You know, the bad way to do that is just before somebody submits you, ask, you, ask them what they did to get you in that position. They're going to submit you. I would say let them submit you. You're not really. They're going to submit you. So once you submit, then you say, "Hey, can we, you know, can we take a look at that position?" I've never had someone say, "No, we've got two minutes left in this round. Let's do that." You, you know what I mean? Uh, I guess it's a possibility, but I've never had that happen. But but that way you kind of learn and and go into like the Daniel Coyle, the talent code, go into that deep learning phase mm -hmm. and it hopefully sticks with you yeah. from it. I, I, that's just my personality, I guess, but that's how I've approached most, most every role I've ever had is kind of matching that person's, because it kind of goes back to that's not the point of jujitsu. Like if I'm much more experienced than somebody, they can be bigger and I still don't have to, you know, exert 100% physical effort in order to get into the better position and get a submission like and if you are always using that 100% effort you need to probably try to be a little reflective of like what you're doing that's causing that mm -hmm. but you know so it's always going to be a matching thing because mm -hmm. then I it's almost like how, I don't know I, I think that also goes right back to the confidence thing that really stuck out to me when John said it of, you know, more confident in the worst position than you are in the best position. And it's, you know, how do you want to go about this? Are we going to go a million miles an hour? Or are we going to take it slow and try to learn something? Because I'm fine with training either way, but, you know, we're either going to try to both get better or we're both going to try to win. Right. Right. When, what do you win in training? Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That answer is correct. And, um, and, and also, you know, maybe maybe if it's appropriate, you know, especially I, I remember remember a time when um, when we were doing positional training and it was pass, sweep, or submit, and then this person just, you know, came at me like a spider monkey and was immediately, immediately swept them, right? And then, then they left the mat, they came back around, did the same thing, and I immediately swept them. And... Yeah, great. That that's 
great for me, but maybe if it's appropriate, and I felt like that that was the time that was appropriate because once I did that the second time, I said, hey, I'm I'm just matching your intensity and whenever you come at 100 miles an hour, I have to do something quickly to protect myself and, and, and do that. So maybe along the same lines as, as the small joint manipulation, maybe, maybe it's something that they could work on. Maybe it's something that, that might, you might want to alert them to. Yeah. I think a lot of that is always tied back into confidence and being comfortable with just what you're doing and then training and then not having the panic reactions of whether it's losing or thinking you're going to get hurt or whatever you know kind of always going to tie back to that but I think especially if you're visiting somewhere else which is what this question was about like if you ever want to be invited back you might want to try to be pleasant to train with and make sure again 50% for you 50% for your partner if they it's much better if they want you to come back yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, so that kind of moves us, it really dovetails, dovetails us into our, our next topic, which is, um, you know, feeling like you just started jujitsu whenever you're rolling with, with an upper belt or the topic of there's someone that comes in that's seemingly brand new to training. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're not the biggest person in the room. Maybe you're one of the smaller people in the room. And you, you know, whenever the first time they're rolling, you have a really hard time rolling with them. Yeah. Right? And that's super familiar to me. I mean, it took a lot of time training. Like, I had probably been training for like eight months or whatever. And Talise is always my example. He's bigger than me, but not by much. Mm-hmm. You know? And he has like a little bit of wrestling background, but it's not like he's a D1 wrestler like you. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke because Jeff sucks at wrestling. But, um, you know, he came in and, and during the class portion of like a fundamental class, I had seen the stuff before, basically. So I would try to help him the best I could with the technique and what we're doing and whatever. And then when we roll, he would get on top and it was that classic fight of like, I'm trying to lock him in the guard and he would be trying to pass. And if he passed, I was basically stuck. So, and then the weird situation was, you know, he didn't know enough jujitsu to like submit necessarily. I didn't know enough jujitsu to get out, but he could hold me, you know, in that position and then it kind of sucks. now it's kind of a little bit of a different story and he's still one of my favorite people to train with. I like For him, sure, you yeah. Know? But like that was a situation that I would see happen a lot and as far as feeling frustrated with that scenario, like I can remember back to, I always say frustrated is the wrong word because it was still the most fun thing I could do, you know, so sure. frustrated is, but wanting to improve, I guess the frustration would be in wanting to improve. And sure. That's why I train the way I do and you do and why we spend all day watching videos and trying to learn but taking the the small victories right like he would get on top but couldn't submit me that was in my mind you know i'll take it Um, of course 
I can vividly remember rolling with one of the purple belts for the first time, I think. Um, pretty sure I remember who it is, but it doesn't matter. But they were doing like a butterfly guard and swept me like 46 times. Like I just <laughs> literally didn't know what was happening. Like I was trying to engage in a grappling scenario and I was so new and I was like, I just, I don't get it. Like, I, just, I was like, so what did you do that time? He's like, oh, I just, just swept you and arm barred you because you're arms were over here and your body was over there and i'm like all right so like i literally didn't understand what had happened during that five or ten minute period of 43 arm bars but you know it's like that stuck with me i'll never forget that and little victories came later when it's like i'm inside control or somebody's on top of me or i'm in their guard and i'm not getting arm barred yeah you know like i don't do the same stupid mistake or i can survive when someone's on top of me, I can deal with the fact that people are bigger and deal with the pressure. I can deal with the fact that they're going to be on top and I can't get out, but I'm also not going to like quit and I'm not going to make it easy. Like I'm not just going to give up my neck. So sure. start over, you know, I'm going to try to fight through the whole thing. And those were the little wins that I took forever, you know, but it was still fun. Um, but that was kind of how I approached, you know, not seeing the instant success. Like I didn't, I don't remember when it happened, but it was not fast that I got like a legitimate submission on somebody that was fighting back. They took forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So you've always had that elbow proximity problem. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know where they are. They're around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and to go back to, to the one point of the folks who walk in, listen, you, you might not know or or they might not consider the train previous training they had like like wrestling you know someone who's wrestled for you know even four or five years they have a really good idea of base and they also have a really good idea of how to control people from the top especially side control mm -hmm. sometimes mount you know they've been doing that for four years so that's 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 if you've just been training a year, that's three years more than you right. from, from wrestling. And so, so, you know, they might have that, that experience or they may just be bigger. And, you know, thinking about the, the Henner and Huron, uh, the Boyd belt system, I can't remember exactly what it is, but for every 10 years or every 10 pounds, it's a belt level, right? I think that's what, I think that's I, what it was. I don't know. Anyway, but. so, so, you know, that's that's certainly something to consider and you know also you're there training that's that's what you're going to experience sometimes you're going to experience someone who has a minimal amount of training and and their their physicality is such that you can't deal with it for your size and so you, then you just have to get better and have to start learning how to deal with it right yeah i mean and the only thing that helps that is training and I, you know, I've shared shared this story before on the episodes, on the previous episodes, but I'll share it again. And that was early on my frustration of whenever I was rolling with a really good upper belt, uh, Lee, and and it was just, you know, it's common. It's now it's funny, and I posted on our Facebook, you know, Lee and I are rolling. It's still the same thing. Yeah, it's still. <laughs> Still the exact same thing. Yeah, you look terrible. Yeah, I am terrible. <laughs> and uh, but but it's still it's now 
and he, after after he put that perspective on it, and that perspective was that he's been training he, at that time nine years now, over ten years, and that if I keep training, that I am going to be that good. I'm still a little skeptical of that, but well, I think the first time you told me that story, he like posed the question to you like. So I've been training eight years. If you could just walk in and train for six months and kick my ass, like, what would be the point of training? Yeah. That was what I thought made the most sense to me, where it's like... I left that detail out, but you're absolutely right. And but it like, did that's what sense. really it stuck out, resonate. because it's like, it, it, you know, if you could do it for a year and you learn everything you need to know and you can walk away, then why would people need to train longer than that? What would be the point? And why would you even want to do it in the first place? Right. Right. So all those, I mean, thank all those upper belts because, you know, they let you work. I mean, they, they let you work. And guess what? If if they don't let you work and they're, they're actually practicing something new because that's a great opportunity for you. If you're the upper belt and someone's a lower belt and you may have a competition coming up or you're just trying to solidify a, a technique that you've been working on in your head, well, maybe they're going to try that technique. And guess what? That's not their A game, but their C game still better than your A game, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so they, you know, maybe the one role they're not going to let you work. So what? They're trying to get better, and guess what? You're going to get better too because you're going to be exposed to more things, and maybe even you know, after they submit you, you're going to gather a tip from them on here's what you should be doing, and maybe that's a concept that you carry throughout your jujitsu journey. You yeah, know? and I think well, I think like what I didn't. I think I said earlier what I meant was like you may I may not realize like in my head at the moment that I'm learning like something you know that sticks out in my head but just the feel of it all of a sudden it just you start to notice when things don't feel right mm-hmm. before you realize what's uh, you know before I think you actually learn the concept or learn whatever mm-hmm. um, you, I just start to know like can't always do anything about it, but I'm like, I don't like where this is going. I, this doesn't feel good. Something bad is about to happen. And sure enough, you know, I think that's part of that learning process. And that comes from getting smashed and getting swept and whatever else. You just start to know, like, this isn't... I think the best example is the baseball choke. <laughs> you know? It's like, all of a sudden, everything feels really good. Yes, yeah, so I'm about then, to pass. And then yeah. You get the lights turned out, and then you do it next time, and you maybe kind of fall for it again but you're like yeah, i don't know something doesn't feel right you know and then soon enough you're wise to the baseball choke but that right. first time it's you have no idea and that can be like lights out in a second that's a super tight situation yeah yeah no that was one of the first ones jeremiah got me with i thought i was going to pass his guard it was early on when we were doing this and yeah. man he got me in that choke and it was so so tight and i was i like tapped immediately i was almost out that was the closest probably second closest dean lister was the closest um, when he was demonstrating a move on me. Have but, you not been put out? Uh, never. That's crazy. Never. Close. Ryan's almost done it too. Well, I almost did it to myself. You know, I held it a little bit too long. And I was mm-hmm. like, starry. Yeah. Uh, but no, never, never went out. Not yet. I'm sure it'll happen at some point in time. Charlie was demonstrating Tuesday. It was just so tight. <laughs> so fast. I was like, God, oh, this is a time. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, are you okay? I was like, I think so. <laughs> and one more tangible example on that, and that is where you can really learn is that that um, this was probably been about a year ago, but um, maybe more. But when Marty was a purple belt, and I was rolling with him, and he 
literally from his bottom half card took my back 43 times. Mm-hmm. And after like the 22nd time, I was like, how do you keep taking my back? He's like, well, dummy, you don't, you don't fight the underhook. If you don't fight the underhook, you're going to get your back taken or something worse. Yeah. And like, that was the first time that that concept, I'm sure somebody told me that before. Yeah. Right. Thousands of times probably. But that was the first time that I was like, Oh, I got it. And from there on out, you know, keeping the elbow in, you know, trying not to let anybody in fighting that underhook at all costs whenever somebody's in uh, bottom half card on me. So, so yeah, that's kind of a tangible example of where really I picked up a concept and, and it solidified in my mind in, in that rolling, rolling with that upper belt, you know, whenever they were obviously practicing it and doing it well. So, and I think trying to keep the mindset that you're always training and learning. Yep. Because that clueless feeling, absolutely, from what I understand, never goes away. Right. I mean, Ryan sits there and tells me about how he feels clueless rolling with certain people. Right. And to me, he, like, you can't get much better than him. To me, in my head, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I'm clueless rolling against him, so so <laughs> that's that's part of the process, and I think if it wasn't, it would be boring. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing it because I wouldn't be nearly as obsessed with getting better because there wouldn't be other people who are better, and so yeah, hundred percent. Oh, Roland, story about Roland. Dude, that cross face defense. Oh that's yeah, like, that's like a life changer, like total, total changer for me. I'm probably gonna forget about it in like two weeks because that's what I do with stuff. Um, but he was doing that to me, and I was thinking about it. Um, John has said this every time. Um, every other person I've seen uh, giving instruction on, you know, side control and getting your guard passed. It's always, you know, people have a tendency to want to put their hands on the hip, which is what I always do. It's a great song. But, you know, you want to block the arm first and don't let them control your head. Yeah. I've just ignored that for the entire time. So have I, and John has said that. But it's it's always brought up that it's so much better. And it wasn't until, like, I was determined to be trying to get on top to try to establish control that I noticed dude it's super annoying that he's blocking my arm because i'm trying to like pass his guard and i'm trying to like establish the top position and that was when it finally clicked that like that's why you should be doing that yeah it doesn't click like apparently me getting smashed in the face was fine this whole time yeah i can't establish a top position when i'm like all right i'm doing that whatever i did that on monday night uh after roland had stopped to explain what he was doing and he's like i'm just passing off so much better so much easier you know, and I'm doing it Monday night, and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna have to tell everybody about this because it turns out if I don't let people grab my head, I have a lot more mobility. Yeah, if you just grab their box, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. don't even yeah. need two hands, you yeah. just need one. Yeah. That's coming from somebody who's not very strong. <laughs> yeah, I get it, Phil. I get that it. That was a total game, it's amazing. I, so, yeah. um, in case you've also been ignoring your instructor, try to block the cross face and stop wrist-locking yourself on people's hips. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Great point by you. Uh, so, some exciting news. You know, I, I kind of talked about it last week. You know, met some people at the competition and we now have uh, secured... Time out. 
Yeah. We didn't talk about this in the last uh, episode going over the competition. Jeff had his first match. He finishes it, and he says to the ref, Hey, I'm Jeff from the BJJ Campaign Podcast. We're a big fan of you, Chris Luter. Would you please come on the podcast? And I'm like, dude. Yeah. Would you focus up? And no. I, I wanted to do that the, the whole time. Like, I was thinking about that the whole time. Like, before the match, I'm like, okay, you're going to tell him first that he's handsome because he's a handsome fellow. True. And second, you're going to tell him that who you're with. And third, you're going to invite him on the podcast because he's a brown belt masters world champion. And Jeff had about 14 cups of coffee before he got to the competition. Oh, and I'm sitting there talking and he's like, oh, that's uh, DeAndre Corby over there um, refing that match. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then Jeff just walks away and I was like, oh, all right, whatever. Then I see him over there talking. He comes back. He's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> so Jeff was, uh, Jeff was in full, full form uh, last Saturday at the competition. Phil? Carry on. It, you, was, yeah. it was just too funny. I, I can't believe I didn't bring it up last episode, but... In a similar vein, I went and talked to Bagels. I, I've had some interactions with him before, and he's... So he's the... Um, he's one of the top ten uh, Masters 1 uh, brown belts in the world, and he's uh, also the matchmaker. Can't wait to talk to him about this. For the Toro Cups, you know, he's got Joao Miao and DeAndre Corby. Uh, that match is going to be phenomenal. And it's going to be, we're going to have him on the week before the Toro Cup um, podcast. So we might do maybe a little preview of the card and kind of get some individual stories about how how he came up with those matches because yeah. he's a phenomenal matchmaker and cannot wait to have him on the on the uh, podcast. And again, I love their rule set. He, he I think he and, I think maybe he and Boomer developed or, Kind of thought of that rule set for the submission only. Uh, so we'll do that. And um, Phil, remind the folks out there how they can support us. The best way right now is the Facebook group. I, I think there's a lot of potential in that to be a really cool place for discussions and learning and stuff with everybody. Yeah. Um, so the Facebook group, the normal Facebook page, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, subscribe on there. Um the website bjjcampaignpodcast.com and buy shirts shirts and soon patches I keep soon saying patches. that but that really should be soon yeah probably next week I think it'll probably be next I'll, I'll hit Boomer up and see um, and also you know if you like this podcast you probably do jujitsu and if you do jujitsu you probably know people who do jujitsu I think maybe yes so so you know, if you, you like what you hear, then suggest us to them. We're trying to grow it and trying to get the, the word out about uh, the podcast. So do that. And also a belated happy Mother's Day to AJ Clearman, me and Phil's jiu-jitsu mother. Sure. Happy Mother's Day. So uh feel bad about not getting up with her on a real Mother's Day, but but happy Mother's Day. And and if if you're out there and you like jujitsu podcasts, you're female, or if you're a male, either one, I like listening to it too. Beauty and the Gee is their podcast. Anything else, Phil? I think that's it for this week. And so for everyone out there, if you're not doing something to make yourself better each and every day, get out there and do it. Phil and I do jujitsu. We hope you do too. I'm about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is on.
Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat, we put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll, let's roll, let's roll.